Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. In a world that's perfect lies a perfect little town where one team stands alone. But now, something's stirring that will change this place forever. Perfect. Welcome to Perfectville, your first place podcast for your Miami Dolphins. Now on the DolphinsTalk.com podcast network, I am Sam Marcoux, and he is the two-time, yes, two-time Hall of Famer. Of course, I am talking about none other than Dr. Christopher <laughs> Cullen. Dr. Cullen, how in the hell are you, my friend? I'm doing well. We're hundred less than 100 days out from game one of the NFL season, and uh, Tua Mania is still running wild here in the offseason, so it's a lot of fun. It is less than 100, 100 days until uh, football starts up again, but it's over 100 degrees where I am living here in Northern California. <laughs> I know it's a sweaty, swamp-ass situation for you over there in Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, how are you keeping cool during these hot, hot, late spring, early summer days? Well, luckily, air conditioning in the truck, air conditioning at the job, and air conditioning at home, uh, trying to limit myself to uh, the amount of times I actually leave my house, which is pretty standard for me. Mm. Well, I am using a truly hard seltzer. When you need a cool, refreshing, alcoholic adult beverage, I suggest truly hard seltzer. Right now, drinking the pineapple version here, Chris. 5% alcohol by volume contains alcohol, which to me is the funniest thing ever. It doesn't even tell you what kind of alcohol. It's just like, hey, does that have alcohol in it? Yes, what kind? That's it. Yes. It's like, all right, well, but anyway. Have you ever heard the rumors of the pineapple making your jizz taste better? Uh, I'm, I, I, it doesn't, from what I heard. <laughs> uh, I was about to say, if it did, uh, I wonder if the truly drink would as well. Or if it's just, uh, <laughs> this is already the uh, best episode ever. <laughs> well, I mean, you drink enough of them. I don't think it matters what you drink after about three of these things. You're just like, wee. Five percent. It has alcohol in it, and then you just fall down your stairs. Um, that, that sounded like a commercial. Truly, does not endorse this podcast. Yes, the alcohol I'm drinking thinks our podcast is too extreme. So uh, that was just me uh, talking some shit. We're just going to have some fun on this episode. We don't really have much. We, we never really have pre-production meetings right. for these things, uh, other than a quick text of "Hey, here's what I'm thinking," and then maybe a minute before we go live on the air. Um, even though we never go live on the air, except for that one time. Um, but we uh, even less of a formatted show than normal here, Chris, I would say. Um, and uh, I, that's because, you know what, if the rest of the world doesn't have any order to it, I don't think that our podcast uh, should either. I mean, the town of Perfectville doesn't have any known cases of COVID-19. We don't have any protesters or looters or, or angry cops or anything in between here. We're just the town of Perfectville. Everything here is perfect, including this podcast here. And uh, why don't we just get started with the man, the myth, the legend, the guy who uh, apparently is already going to uh, have to save this entire franchise at 22 years old. <laughs> and, of course, I'm talking <laughs> about the guy we keep talking about, our quarterback of the future, uh, Tua Tonga-Vailoa. I'm getting better nice. at that, Chris. Getting better at it. Yeah. Uh, 
Um, I was actually on a podcast uh, talking about the Miami Dolphins and, and promoting Perfectville, and the host nailed to his last name. And I'm like, wow, that's impressive. And he goes, well, yeah, I went to Alabama. And I'm like, oh, gross. Like, Ew. Yeah. You know, because I'm a University of how Florida can, guy. How can you even speak English? Yeah. I was like, okay, well, all right. And then later he goes on to tell me that his AFC East or his AFC team that he loves the most is the Buffalo Bills. And I'm like, are you just the opposite of me? Like, I. I, you're like my shadow, but in a bad, weird way. But anyways, it's a great podcast. I think that'll come out. It's called The Daily Degenerate. We'll be talking, uh, I think, sometime next week if you're listening to this right away. But anyway, uh, Tua, you know, you had some things you wanted to talk about. I had some things I wanted to talk about. I keep hearing this guy's name. Obviously, he keeps selling jerseys here, there, and everywhere. It's now into November and December if you order his jersey online. Um, he's posting videos of himself. His feet work looks good. His hips look good. And I'm just kind of curious, Chris, because uh, somebody else posted this online, so I want to ask this question. Um, but before I do, the question I have is, is this too much too soon for Tua? Now, we all know that he seems to step up in big-time uh, situations like he did in college. Uh, he seems to have all the talent. He's saying all the right things. He wants to be with the Miami Dolphins. Even Ryan Fitzpatrick, the incumbent starter, knows you know what's going to happen and is willing and ready and able to do it. Says he's a fan of Tua. He's going to be a cheerleader for him. But are we handing him the keys to the castle without him knowing where the door is? I mean, is this, are we setting this kid up for failure, I, I guess is what I'm wondering. I don't think it's too uh, much, um, and really <laughs> because of that, and honestly, here's, here's why. Uh, we saw him in the national stage at Alabama. We saw him hop in as like a true freshman and take over, just literally rip the job out of Jalen Hurts's dead, cold, broken hands. Like who? When's the last time that's ever happened, by the way, where it's like the starter that led you to the national championship loses his job live on TV to his backup that's a true freshman, and he has to transfer schools. Like that is just – Insane. Um, he, he did all that, but here, here's what I think, and I'm going to say this, um, and it's, hopefully it makes sense. I, I think Tua is the first quarterback that we've had since Dan Marino that will get a weird pass mm. from the fans for not being Dan Marino. If that makes sense. So I, I don't think I just think there's so much of the fan base that supports this kid and has wanted him, where everyone else has always been torn or different paths. Pat White, Gus Farrat, you know, Jay Feather, you name it. There's never been this much unanimous support from the fan right. base. So I think he will get time. He'll get time to grow if he has a couple bad games, a couple bad picks instead of everybody being like, see, he's garbage, we should have drafted, blah, blah, blah. They'll be like, hey, let's give him some time. You know, he's coming off an injury. So I think that will help and I also think the team being so young, hopefully the expectations are we are a year two, three out and not dude, holy shit, you better step up and win now. Well, and that's the thing that, you know, looking at this, it's been great to see all the positive publicity for the Miami Dolphins, especially considering like the last 15 years in particular seems to be negative story after negative story not just because of our play on the field but some of the antics off of it I mean uh, from Bullygate and everything else it just seems like the Miami Dolphins could not get out of their own way even going back as far as Ricky Williams retiring on the eve of the season right. because he wanted to smoke weed as opposed to knock over you know uh, we had a coke snort uh, a coach snort coke and send a video to his hooker girlfriend like it's <laughs> been insane that was actually the, I thought that was a positive story I was like the, the best thing I've heard in, in 15 <laughs> years and that's how bad it's been so we're finally seeing good positive publicity our coach seems to be saying all the right things i want to talk about that here in just a little bit and 
I'm just curious. Okay, so now we have all this positive publicity. Now we have all this great stuff. Everyone is thinking that this Miami Dolphins team is going to be a force to be reckoned with. Even with some of the podcasts that I've been doing recently, they're saying, hey, you guys got to be the favorites to be the AFC East champs, right? And I'm trying to push the brake pedal down a little bit and say, no, Mm. we're not. We shouldn't be. This is year two of the rebuild. Year one was last year, and we stripped all the, you know, the bad apples out of there, the bad elements, and kind of figured out what we had left over. And now we're starting to pump, you know, clay into this and start to build it and build it, but we haven't molded that clay yet. We're still rebuilding. We still have to go out and see what we have in terms of young talent and have them come together and actually play as a team. It would not surprise me that this team is 6-10, and 7-9, and nine, um, and everyone kind of goes, well, that's a disappointment. But you go, no, look how well they played. They have a tough schedule, and they have all these young people, including rookies, you know, on both lines and everywhere, um, and, and not getting the opportunity to work with each other because of COVID. Uh, it's very possible that this team has a losing record but still looks better. I, I think this is, you know, you have to look two, three, four years apart part or down the road and that's where I'm really concerned about the expectations for Tua I believe you're right I have never seen the fan base this galvanized I don't think in my life not maybe not even during the Dan Marino era mainly because I don't think the internet was really around for us to bitch about Dan Marino or not um (laughs) But I can't remember a time where everyone seems to universally love the coach, uh, seems to be okay with our general manager, um, the the owner isn't embarrassing us, and we've got a quarterback that we're all just behind. And I love that feeling. But as a Dolphins fan, I've been trained to know that there's going to be another shoe that's going to drop, and I don't know what that's <laughs> going to be yet. Um but you're right. I, I mean, I think he's going to get more of a more of a leash than any other quarterback we've had in a very long time. I, I did want to ask you this though. Um, let's just throw a name out there. If Tua's career ends up being, uh, let's just say he's talented like Derek Carr is talented, because that's what I saw online. Somebody used that comparison. If Tua turns out to be Derek Carr, is he a disappointment in the eyes of Miami Dolphins, or is that acceptable? I think that would be a disappointment and only because, in my opinion, Derek Carr is that Dalton Tannehill line mm-hmm. where it, it, I don't know. He just seems like I mean, he's a good player. But I just think he's like a dime a dozen type player, a Kirk Cousins, maybe. Um, it, but I, I think everybody's expecting at least Deshaun Watson, like a, a, a kid that's going to come out and be top tier. I, I don't think we're thinking Mahomes, but more of the Dak Prescott, uh, more of the um, uh yeah, I mean, not Lamar Jackson, not Patrick Mahomes. I don't think that level of 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 play, but he should be in that top five percent, I guess, echelon of player. Even like a Josh Allen, but more accurate the way he like kind of runs too. Um, trying to find a comparisons of of what we would be happy with. I, I guess just enough to be considered a ten to twelve win quarterback for eight years you know like just uh, yeah just that so Derek Carr I don't think is it just because of um his limitations he's had physically and some bad luck too and injuries but uh I think if he ends up on the same plane as Derek Carr everybody can agree that it would be a disappointment with the hype that came with it yeah I think you're right I mean I was thinking about that too because I thought that was a good kind of litmus test of well you know everyone can see the talent in Derek Carr and he is the starting quarterback in the NFL um, but you also kind of look at Derek Carr and go, well, you know, I wish I wish my quarterback was better than that. I mean, he's not leading the Raiders to anything, and if that's the career trajectory of Tua, then you start looking at it and going, oh, crap, maybe we aren't where we're supposed to be. Um, 
but I yeah, just talking about Tua, man. Like I said, I, I saw the videos of him running, doing all, doing a bunch of uh, footwork, and it was impressive to see how fast he is moving. I think he's doing everything right. This franchise seems to be on a winning streak right now in terms of uh, head coach hire, uh, drafting, free agency, uh, doing everything right. It just seems like uh, Brian Flores and Chris Greer right now have the golden touch, um, and that everything that they are touching is turning to gold. So uh, I, I'm excited about it. But I was just kind of curious if maybe we're putting too much on. Tua too soon and then you had a question for me with regards to Tua as well yeah here, here's my question and, and also let's I wanted to finish up on yours um, and I also don't think it's a disappointment if he doesn't end up being Drew Brees because everybody mm. saying he's a left hand left hand Drew Brees I think I don't think it's that guy's just exceptionally insane like the, the career he has had um, but what he does give the Dolphins the ability to do like you do with Drew Brees is build around him from every corner you just don't have to worry about quarterback anymore and that's such a great feeling uh, especially for these first few years when he's on his rookie contract um so Derek Carr disappointment not Drew Brees that's not disappointing either if he's right up there with Russell Wilson uh Dak Prescott and uh Deshaun Watson just competitively in the playoffs every year then I think we should be happy but uh, I'll, I'll ask you this this came across NFL Network, Sam, and uh, they discussed it, and it's been actually reported, I think, by Armando Salguero, too, uh, that the front office and the coaching staff, as long as things go right, like uh, as far as learning the offense and getting control of, of the offense, if he, Tua, is healthy, completely clear bill of health, uh, Sam, and he's healthy and he beats out Ryan Fitzpatrick. Uh, everybody's talking about this like red shirt season, like it's just gonna happen. But uh, there, there's a lot of chatter that if he's good enough, we got him at number five. You play him. What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, you know that's that's a good topic because I was uh, I was actually on another podcast, uh, same one I was talking about earlier, Daily Degenerate, and he said the same thing about you know, and he went to the University of Alabama. He says I don't think there's you don't pussyfoot around on this. You either start him or you sit him, and you have and you have him start next year. He goes, I don't think you bring him in halfway through. I don't think that's the way to do it. I think that ruins your quarterback room, that ruins your psyche, um, which I don't believe is true. I think Tua is the exception. I mean, he showed that on a national stage when he came in in the third quarter and just mollywopped the the Georgia Bulldogs after it looked like. They were dead in the water. So I think Tua does have the mindset that he can just come in at any point and take over. Um, you know, there's a lot of factors here that need to be considered before I think Tua ever uh, comes into the conversation to be starting day one for the Miami Dolphins. Number one is his health. You know, if he's not fully healthy, then you can't put him back there. You cannot risk that investment, all of that time, all of that energy, all of those resources that you've got um, in place to go get Tua only to see him get injured uh, because he wasn't properly cleared. Um, so you need to make sure that the medicals are 100% in your favor. Number two, he is a rookie coming into a league that is bigger, faster, and stronger than anything he has ever seen in his life. Um, if he can show in, I guess, many camp, training camp, preseason, that the game can slow down enough for him to be effective, okay, that's another box that you can check. Uh, another factor, we don't know what this offensive line is going to look like. We don't know mm -hmm. how this offensive line is going to perform. Uh, I feel much more comfortable with Ryan Fitzpatrick, who has shown in his 37,000-year career that he knows how to get out of the way, he knows how to scramble effectively, and he knows how to take a hit. He knows when to go down. He knows how to roll his shoulder. He knows how to tuck his head. He knows how to get out of the way so that he doesn't get injured. I mean, he's 37 years old, 38 years old, and he's still out there. He's still a starting quarterback in this league. So I feel much more comfortable with Ryan Fitzpatrick being behind center at the beginning of this season when we may have you know five new 
five new faces in, in different positions until we can see that that offensive line gels. Even if Tua has a grasp of the playbook, even if Tua is fully recovered from his injuries, uh, and even if he may be outplaying Ryan Fitzpatrick in practice, I still think Ryan Fitzpatrick brings something of a veteran presence behind that line that people are going to rally behind. Um, and then the other factor is the fact that, look, with the coronavirus going on, he's not getting a chance to actually meet his teammates. He's not getting a chance uh, to get to know them and develop that rapport in person and talk to them and look at you know look at tape together and high-five and do all that shit. Ryan Fitzpatrick already has has that built in. It's intrinsic with him. So there's that X factor there that I don't know that Tua um, brings yet or not. I just don't know. So right now, when we're when we're recording in June, I would say I don't think there's a snowball's chance in hell regarding um, Tua starting day one unless you have about five boxes that you can check, the ones I just talked about, and then we can start to have that conversation. Yeah, here's mine. No, you don't do it. Okay. You, you don't start him right away. <laughs> I, 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 no, I, re- I just really wouldn't. Now, I agree with you that he can come in midseason, but here's what I want to see. I want to see my offensive line and make sure they're not dog shit, period. Yeah. And the, I want Ryan Fitzpatrick back in, uh, in there starting and Rosen as the backup to a number three just to see that happen because I don't even want him going in there if old man Fitzpatrick gets hurt. Um, we have to see if this line can gel and if they can play together, if they can pra- play together like they practice. Doing it against our defense and doing it against um, half padded practice and stuff we will not know until those um, those bullets are flying and there's no way I'm going to experiment with my fifth overall pick and possible future franchise uh, week one hoping right, go out there I hope 80% of you are brand new or are, are good we hope you're good um, so no way not not in the beginning of the year just let it let it ride there's nothing we're not counting on anything this season honestly like you said I mean I see this being an eight win nine win surprising team and then we come back next year hoping for 10 11 and then from here on out after the, those two years we want to be a consistent 12 to 13 win division Vision winning team. That that's it. So this year, if we go eight and eight uh, with Tua starting, uh, or six and ten with him being staying healthy, uh, who cares? Do either one. Um, so I, I just don't do it at all. Not until you you figure it out, you see it, and uh, really give Fitzpatrick a chance to go out there and finish what he kind of started with the with the breakdown. Plus, you kind of owe it to Fitzpatrick for coming in and doing what he did to lead this team last year, even willing them to five wins. The the guys, we, we talked about this before, rallied around them, surrounded them. They went nuts for this guy. Allow him to go out there and kind of reap what he sowed as far as he put in the time. He got fucked up a little bit in a bad losing, tanking season. Let him uh, let him win a couple more games and go out there and have some fun with the boys. You know, and I floated this idea out there on social media, I think on Twitter at Perfectville Pod. Um, with Ryan Fitzpatrick being who he is, and Tua representing what we think he's going to represent for the Miami Dolphins long term. And I may, we may have even brought this up on the last podcast here, Chris. Is this the most beloved duo of quarterbacks for the Miami Dolphins in history? I mean, nobody hates Ryan Fitzpatrick. Everyone loves Tua. Um, we've all accepted that Ryan Fitzpatrick most likely will start the season and Tua will come in at some point. But if that flip-flops... Everyone seems totally fine with that, too. I can't remember a time where you could possibly have a quarterback controversy on a team and everyone is okay with either option at the start of the season. Like, it does not happen. And there's in the quarterback position in general is such a dividing line for everyone. I mean, we've seen it time and time again, be it Ryan Tannehill, be it Jay Fiedler, be it anybody not named Dan Marino over the last 20 years for the Miami Dolphins and every other franchise that's out there has had it. I mean, Green Bay has a quarterback controversy right now, and they have a Hall of Famer that's going to be their starting quarterback <laughs> week one. 
it it is this the most like I I cannot remember a time where we had two quarterbacks where the fans loved both of them you know in their own way but somewhat equally it's crazy to me to see that much unity between the doll fans everywhere no, it's going to be insane. And, I mean, it's going to be one of those things where, uh, like, Fitzpatrick's going to come off the field or something, and two is going to be there in a baseball cap, like, high-fiving him and shit, and they're going to be just chatting it up on the sideline. Everybody's going to love it. And then, meanwhile, <laughs> we'll see in the background Josh Rosen sitting and sulking on the bench. Uh, but, yeah, th- this duo, for sure, like you said, it can intertwine. It can change. If Fitzpatrick starts, all of us will think it makes sense. If Tua beats him out and he's healthy, all right, we can't wait to see him out there. If he comes in midseason, Fitzpatrick's going to support him, pat him on the butt. I mean, it's going to be it's gonna be cool to watch like you said I, I i can see jordan love being as farther than anybody away from aaron Rodgers. like he has a restraining order on the sideline because <laughs> um, immediately he's coming in and Rodgers like yeah i'm not finishing my career here fuck that uh so that's awesome it's gonna be extremely awkward i can see him not helping him in uh the film room i can see i can see him if love gets something wrong being like nice answer dork like just <laughs> really just shitting all over him meanwhile fitzpatrick and atua he's gonna be like over his shoulder like explaining things to him watching what he he sees and, and pointing stuff out to him. It's going to be a match made. It, it would be great to see the Packers Vikings Vikings game where Aaron Rodgers points to the Vikings sideline and tells Jordan Love <laughs> to go stand over there next to Kirk Cousins. <laughs> <laughs> and just, I don't want you on my sideline, punk. Uh, you stand behind the goalpost. <laughs> yeah, not a very good leader, as Ryan Fitzpatrick is a very good leader. And that's the one thing about the Miami Dolphins. In a very short amount of time, we went from having really bad leadership to having um, maybe the crown jewel of leadership when it comes to head coaches. I mean, everything that's going on in this country right now, and we are by far not going to get into it. Um, but if you <laughs> haven't seen it yet, the Miami Dolphins released a statement on behalf of Brian Flores. And it was a, a very powerful, profound statement that um, I thought was really well said and and reads yes. really well, but your political views aside, what it does do, what nobody can deny, is if you looked at the reactions from all of the players on the Miami Dolphins, virtually every single player retweeted it and said, that's my coach, or I'm so proud to be a part of this organization. This is why we do this, is for, for leaders like him. I mean, it was unanimous, Chris, that these players love Brian Flores. Here's all I'm going to say on this, um, and you mentioned our players. Um I was watching NFL Network yesterday on my lunch break, and they had Richard Sherman and um, um, Josh Norman and a couple other uh, former players on to discuss this whole issue. And when somebody somebody asked uh, Richard Sherman about how ahead of the curve um, uh, Sean Payton has been, almost uh, kind of like uh, Jesus Christ, the uh, uh, he, he compared him to like Steve Kerr. And um, the Spurs coach, who I know, but I can't like Greg Popovich. Popovich, Popovich. Uh, he, he he compared um, Sean Payton to those two guys, and then Sherman like kind of took the lead and was like, "Yeah, look, uh, their locker room's probably great. I don't know. I'm not in that locker room." He's like, "The the guys in the locker room know how Sean Payton is. The guys in the Dolphins locker room know who how Flor- Brian Flores is. Those types of coaches that are ahead of it, and and like." You could just hear in his voice he was like – he named him with Sean Payton as far as like players wanting to believe in him, fight for him, play for him, and be in his locker room. And I thought that was super telling um, because Richard Sherman is a very big – intelligent voice in the NFL community. And if he is noticing this as another player on the West coast, right. And, and it, there's other players too, that have been like, Holy shit. This Brian Flores guys is, is, is amazing. Like off the field, on the field, he means no business, but he also has your back. 
and for him to come out and and get the support he has had from the Miami Dolphins community and um you know just being one of the very very few black faces in the NFL as far as coaching and general managers and front office goes he he could have squandered this opportunity, but instead he just absolutely hit a Hail Mary and, a, and hit a home run, and he's got nothing but support, and it's been unreal and fantastic to see the national positivity we've been getting both on the field with our moves and what Brian Flores' leadership and, and Stephen Ross for having, uh, of course, Chris Greer, part of the team as well, just having this positive light on us. Like you said, I'm waiting for the other shooter drop because, man, this is weird, but I love it. Yeah, it's the polar opposite of what we've seen out of head coaches for the Miami Dolphins. I mean, the closest you get on some level is Tony Sperano, uh, mm-hmm. who, uh, look, you know, rest in peace, coach, but he, he had a little bit of a clown mentality, too. I mean, it became almost a parody that I think he was a part of it with the fist pumps when it came to the field goals. But you know what? He wasn't he didn't give anybody any harm, and he did motivate people. He wasn't an X's and O's guy. He was an offensive line coach who who could figure out how to get a guy to run a little bit harder and maybe hit a little bit harder. Um he he had a little bit of a motivating factor there that 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 guys wanted to suit up and go play for. Adam Gase was not that way. Adam Gase was a guy who who felt that he knew everything about everything and that if you didn't like what he was asking for, you were wrong and you were stupid and nobody wanted to play for him. I mean, you could just see the exodus. Uh, people that left last year is because they were Adam Gase's boys because he didn't question them. Uh, he didn't motivate. He didn't, you know, didn't challenge them. And as soon as they got challenged with Brian Flores, uh, they wanted out. Uh, Kenny yeah. Drake, Mika Fitzpatrick, all these guys. Um, Adam Gase was not a leader. Adam Gase may be a smart guy, but he wasn't a leader and he wasn't a good head coach. And that's showing itself in New York as well. You know, sorry for the Jets fans, but not really. Uh, Dave Wonstadt wasn't a leader. Uh, Dave Wonstadt didn't know how to do anything. He was a clown. And all of these guys, you know, they just don't know how to motivate a team and when that happens or doesn't happen you get people that quit Ricky Williams quit at the height of his career because of how he was being used by a coach who didn't understand that he was overusing the greatest asset that he had um you know the the Adam Gase era ended in flames because we we just didn't have good leadership we didn't have a guy who understood how to communicate with players I mean that bored itself out time and time again just go ask Jarvis Landry Um, Brian Flores seems to be the polar opposite of that he seems to be the guy that understands how to talk to these players what motivates them understands that you know there are social issues out there that they need to hear his voice on so that when he tells them, you know what, you can't give up, you can't do this, you have to go do that, they don't look at him at halftime and go, oh, fuck you, man, you're not the guy, you know, you're, you're just bullshitting right now. They feel it and go, okay, this guy is one of us, he's somebody that um, understands what we're going through, and I dig the message he's trying to tell me. So, yeah, I'm going to go out there, and I'm just going to make sure I refocus and try even that much harder uh, for the sake of him, for the sake of this franchise, for the sake of myself. And it's 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 an intangible, Chris, that you can't just say it's worth one, two, or three wins or anything like that, but it's something that helps the team overall um, just be that much better. Well, here's here's my comparison I'll do. Nick Saban failed miserably as a head Saban coach in the NFL. Exactly. He he was a no no nonsense, no bullshit, and he just tried to uh, remember the guy was having a heat stroke. He ran you to death, That's and exactly the guy was like was having a heat, yeah. heat stroke, and he walks over him and goes to his office. Brian Flores will run you to death too, but he'll walk up to you and put his hand down and help you up get your water, and then put his damn arm around you and explain to you why he has to work you so hard because we need to be a disciplined football team. And that's the difference: is that you can be tough, but sometimes the toughest guy in the room 
shows gets more loyalty if he's tough and then puts his damn arm around you and has your back. And that's what Brian Flores will do. He'll 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 yell at you, get in your face if you make a mistake, but he'll also be sprinting on that field getting in the referee's face if he feels like you've been uh wronged. So and he's going to pull you aside and explain why he did what he did and not just be like that's it, I'm a disciplinarian and blah blah blah. He's like the best of both worlds and uh, right now he's just uh really trending up. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, it was Geno James. He was only a sixth-round <laughs> draft pick, so you can step over a sixth-round draft pick, Chris. Give Nick Saban a break. Um, <laughs> I remember the stories that came out. Like, even like even Zach Thomas, who doesn't say a bad thing about anyone, was like, this guy's a fucking idiot. Like, no no one wants to play for this clown. Like, you, you, we're, we're adults. We're professionals. We, we have children. Like, we go home to our families. You can't, like, treat us like college kids. Like, you have no respect at all. Yeah, you know, it's funny, too, because, I mean, it's not funny because the guy was convulsing after, you know, heat stroke and everything. But I just picture Dick Saban like a father who's stepping over his kid's clothes that he refuses to pick up because the kid's going to learn a lesson. Like, what's this crap doing in the hallway? He just steps over him. There's a great skit from one of uh, Dave Chappelle's older uh, stand-ups. It might be killing him softly, but he's talking about – how bullshit Sesame Street was uh, and the grouch. And he's like, oh, fucking grouch. And the way he takes this huge step over uh, this homeless guy, like laying on the ground. That's how Nick Saban stepped over him having a heat stroke. (laughs) So bad. Let's get Geno James on the air here. Let's see. uh, Has anybody ever talked to Geno James about that? I mean, does he, does he have an opinion? I got to find out. Yeah. Um, Some water, your grouch. Yeah. He might still be in the hallway there. Who knows? He's taking a nap. Um, Speaking of games, we talked about the players being motivated by Brian Flores here, Chris, to go out and play the game at the highest level. Uh, having good leadership has obviously been um, beneficial not only for the team, but the franchise and doll fans and citizens of Perfectville everywhere. Uh, but speaking of games here, Chris, this is something you brought up. I thought it was very interesting. With everything going on in the world right now, but specifically the coronavirus, uh, the NFL has, I think, lucked themselves into a situation where they have not had to change or can't. Well, they had to change the draft, but it actually worked out almost better. Um, they are moving forward it doesn't sound like they're going to stop the gravy train that is the nfl regular season they're planning on having their games they're planning on having them uh in the in the sites that they were scheduled to have them and they're planning on having fans at these games um what are your thoughts on (laughs) would you go to a game in the fall and given everything that's going on it sounds inevitable that we're going to have a second wave of this coronavirus before we can eventually get a vaccine maybe in 2021 would you go to a game uh, a miami dolphins game either road or away or, or or home um this season 2020 given everything that's going on all the positive momentum brian flores Tua, all the good stuff that we're doing would you go to a game um given this national pandemic Yes. Um, and, he, and here's why. Um, I, 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 here's my opinion on the coronavirus. Um, I'm essential, and so is my wife, and I work with the public. And at the bank desk, when the customer sits in front of me, they are not six feet away from me. So, I mean, like, and, and I, when I walk them out the door, I have to unlock it because the lobbies are closed and let them walk within inches of me to, to leave. Um Still not shaking hands, washing hands all the time, sanitizing the desk and doing everything we can. But I'm in in front of 30 random people off the street every single day. Um, And we're going to grocery stores and everybody's kind of right next to each other. They're touching things, putting things back, touching things, putting things back. Um, 
I, I think I'd go to a game, especially if they do like what they're saying. I think the Dolphins are ahead of this too. Oh, wow, another national uh, uh, positive thing. But we're talking about doing like kind of like a, a church exiting. So like if you come there, 15,000 fans, um, and there'll be like section 140, uh, row 12, you can stand up and leave and like let them leave at like individual times so we're not all crowded shoulder to shoulder. But here's the thing. Universal Studios just opened today, man. Like I, I was watching uh, pictures and videos of these people wearing masks, walking around Orlando and going to Universal Studios. They're doing uh, virtual lines on their phone, and and they're just taking measures to make it safe. And people are going. Uh, I would I would actually – I would go to a game because not only would I go, but I mean the players are going to – not like they care, but they're going to need that motivation too. I could imagine playing in front of no one, a football game. You can hear checks. You can hear audibles. You um, you know, the whole reason home field advantage is a thing is for, for the crowd. So uh, d- definitely interested to hear your opinion on it. Yeah, I mean if you want to go to a football game where there's no one in the stand and see what it's like, just go to a Los Angeles Chargers game and you can get that <laughs> experience. But, I mean, it, I don't think I'm going. I mean, look, mm. at, for a number of reasons. Number of reasons. Number one, um, I don't trust the fact that I'm going to – I mean, you're talking about a six- to seven-hour commitment to go to one of these games now. I mean, from, from driving in, parking, I mean, what is tailgating even going to look like if you're even allowed to? So part of the experience, the fun things, the unique things about going to a game are going to – you know, those tailgate parties and talking to people and introducing yourself to people and having good food and drinking beer and all that fun stuff. And then you cram yourself into the stadium. And I understand that maybe it's every other seat or every three seats or something like that. Well, what are you going to do when they do something well? Are, I mean, you allowed to high five people? Are you not? I mean, I, I don't, it doesn't seem like a fun experience. Number one. Number two, NFL is now a TV sport. I can't tell you how many games I've been to recently where I'm actually like, this would be way more fun if I was at home because I can get up, I can take a leak, I can, you know, grab another beer without having to be charged, you know, an arm and a leg, all this fun stuff. I can get my analysis, I can do all of this. And the way they film it now, and TVs being the way they are and cameras the way they are, you get a great picture. I mean, it, it, it presents itself so well on television, Chris, that I don't know that going to the stadium anymore is really necessary for me. I know others are going to disagree. There's probably people just screaming at their phone right now saying that is the exact opposite of true. <laughs> but I just I, I dig watching it at home in the comfort of my own home. I dig, you know, most sporting events that way, baseball being the exception. I just watch football at home and go, this is the way I want to watch this sport. So I don't know if I need to go given everything else that's going on. I just I kind of feel like being at home is, is the right way to watch NFL in 2020. Yeah, yeah, and and for sure, I, I can agree with that. I think I was answering the question as far as you know, would I go if I got a ticket or something? And like, you know, is Corona going to stop me from going? No, but would I prefer if to I watch got it? a free? Yeah, if I got a free ticket, I'm I'm totally going. <laughs> but like, uh, you know, but would I rather watch it at home? Oh Jesus Christ! Yeah, I got the man cave. You know, I got just tight knit group of family that comes over. We all get loud. I don't have to worry about getting kicked out or somebody spilling fucking beer on me. Um, you know, I, like you said, no lines to to take a piss. Beer is much cheaper um, and, and much more – uh, food's much more affor- affordable. Uh, so, yeah, w- would I rather prefer to do it? Yeah, I can pause it. I can rewind it. I, whatever I want. Hell, yeah, I'd rather stay home. Um, but but am I not going because of corona? No. Like, I mean, if the option comes where I was would have gone anyway, uh, I would. But to be honest, I'm only going to home games from, like, here on out. I can't stand going to road games. It's just too much for me. 
Yeah, I will say this. I, the, I went to my first home game a couple of years ago against the Bears, and even though Brock Osweiler was our quarterback and Cody <laughs> and Cody Perky was a traitor, although he won the game for us, uh, even though he was on the Bears at the time, uh, that was a fun experience, going to a home game, uh, enjoying that with other Miami Dolphins fans. But, of course, knowing my luck, I got there, and who did I sit next to? A Bears fan. So uh. even when I was at the home game, I still had to deal with the Bears nonsense the entire time. But that's okay. I still enjoyed it. So I don't know. I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. I've been drinking Trulies all day. So I, uh, my poor wife has never been to a Miami Dolphins home game. Like that's just, that's unacceptable. I have to take that poor girl. She's only, I've only dragged her to road games where she's been yelled at and like cussed at by Panthers fans. So, um, I absolutely owe it to her to take her home game to experience just everybody high-fiving and, uh, everybody cheering for a common goal and, uh, nothing like third down when, uh, the whole crowd gets loud and they can't hear. I mean, that, that's, that's such a blast. Have you been to uh, uh, Joe Robbie or whatever, like pro – no, what do we call now? Not pro player. What the hell? Oh, DHL Hard Rock Stadium. Stadium. Yes. I have not been since the updates at all. Oh, you need long. to go. Like I, I didn't go before, but you walk in there and that roof is something else. And then they have these massive big screens in every corner, which I know you've seen it, but you have to see it in person to just really truly understand how – how large these screens are. And then what the Miami Dolphins really do do a good job of is throughout the entire game, they pretty much get every section on those big screens. So I remember being there for the Bears game and chanting and screaming. I look up and I'm like, who's that fucking dork that's in every four corner? Oh, that's me. Whoops. <laughs> um, so they, I mean, they actively go out and they get that fan participation when you do go to the game. So it is a good time. I, I'm going to rescind what I said before. I would go to one game, it's, but it's got to be a home game. I agree with you there. Well, good, because Tom Garfinkel was just about to give you a call and uh, tell you to fuck off. But now I think you're, I think you're good. Chandler still likes you. Tom Garfinkel would never tell me to fuck off. He might, you know, tell me to leave politely, but he would never tell me to fuck off. Tom, don't take this shit from Chris. Uh, give <laughs> us a call. We'll, we'll do some business. Um, what he's done, speaking of positive stuff real quick too, before we round this out, I mean, they have, you know, all these tennis courts are doing like concerts and events with the stadium. Um, they have like a fucking gondola system or some shit now. Like uh, it, it's pretty, pretty awesome. Impressive what he's been doing, uh, making that a focal point. Uh, of course, Steve, Ross for opening the checkbook, but making that place a focal point for Super Bowls, for for Pro Bowls, for um, for, for national championships, all that kind of stuff. So uh, it, it's an impressive stadium and what they've done to it. Tom Garfinkel might be the best trade we've done for the Miami Dolphins in a really long time. And the reason I say that is he was with the San Diego Padres. Padres, yeah. We had a guy named Mike D. Mike D went to the San San Diego Padres and took Tom Garfinkel's job. Well, actually, I think it almost went the other way. Or maybe it was mutual. I don't know. Maybe that's why it's a trade. But they basically flip-flop roles where Mike D went to um, San Diego uh, to run the Padres. And Tom Garfinkel came out here and was like, well, that's weird. Like, what are the odds of that? But here we are almost 10 years later, if, if not more. And it uh, seems like a great trade for the Miami Dolphins. Tom Garfinkel has been nothing but excellent for the Miami Dolphins uh, franchise. Yeah, he's been he's been great. I mean, and then for them to uh, believe me, I've been in that stadium when it was, you know, orange seats and just fucking hot and weird and dugouts and uh, yeah, uh, on the field. So what they've done to it and turned it into an actual master class and then even like utilize the engineering for uh, home field advantage with the oh, sun yeah. coming through. I mean, just that kind of shit is like a modern marvel, man. That stuff is amazing. I think I told you the story behind that, right? Did I did I tell you about the the San Francisco 49ers stadium and uh what yeah. happened there? Yeah. So yep. for those that don't know, I actually uh went to the San Francisco 49ers uh stadium as it was being built and uh, I had to sign a non-disclosure uh that ran out um 
after it was opened. But one of the things that happened and what they told me when I was there was that the day before, the day before I was there getting this tour, that there was a contingent from the Miami Dolphins that was there. And uh, they were really interested in how and why the Niners built the stadium the way they did. Because in the afternoon in Santa Clara, the way the stadium is built for the 49ers, the visiting sideline is just in the sun just beat down in the sun and I had the opportunity to go stand on the visitor sideline and then walk over to the home sideline where the Niners are and you are talking about a 20 to 30 degree difference in temperature from one end to the other um, just because of the shade and the way they designed this it's a brilliant piece of um, architecture by the San Francisco 49ers firm that did that Um, but this was happening while the Miami Dolphins were trying to get a new stadium and then ultimately just renovated what they had and I am willing to bet dollars to donuts that the idea of of putting the opposing team in that blistering sun in South Florida came from their visit, at least in part, uh, to the Santa Clara, San Francisco 49ers and seeing what they did design-wise there and then designing the roof as such uh, to help them. I, I honestly think, I mean, if you watch, if you go walk back and watch that Bears-Dolphins game uh, where we went into overtime, the Bears are in their, you know, their, their dark colors. And wouldn't you know it if in the second half the Bears are just starting to fall apart. They couldn't tackle yep. Albert Wilson. And all of a sudden we had an inferior team that ended up winning the game with Brock freaking Osweiler as quarterback last minute. Um, because in my heart, because they melted into that heat and humidity, it was absolutely uh, crazy to watch happen in real time. That heat and humidity is something else, man, and you cannot prepare for it. You cannot, especially if you're a North team, like you know, like uh, you know, the Bears, or even like the. That's why we have so much success with the Patriots. I think at home, um, it's just it's just brutal, man. Your body like will shut down. Like you'll be just. Your muscles will cramp. You'll you'll. There's not enough water to drink, um, and it, it'll wear you down. And you got to go out there and play against guys that play eight games a season in that, and, and practice and training camp in that. Um, it, as someone that did two a days in high school in that weather in August and July, Jesus Christ, I, I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy. Uh, well, we are going to have two a days ahead for us here Ooh. with the Miami Dolphins for years and years to come because Tua Tonga Violola is our starting quarterback at some point for the Miami Dolphins, if not this year, if not for game one at some point later this year. Uh, I'm excited for it. You guys are excited for it. Chris is excited for it. Uh, Chris, anything else you want to talk about on this uh, very un uh, unscheduled, unorganized version of Perfectville? Um, li- There's literally nothing else. No, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I am too. So for everybody out there listening to this uh, all across the nation, all across the world, uh, be safe out there. Uh, Do what you got to do to get through the day. Times are tough. Uh, We're hoping that this last 40 minutes or so at least let you turn off the outside noise for just a little bit and enjoy yourself with uh, myself and the two-time, yes, two-time Hall of Famer, Dr. Christopher Colon. Colon? Colon. Jesus. Uh, Not not colon. You're You're not a butthole. Um, Thank you. Yeah, well, you're too many right. trulies. <laughs> too many trulies. <laughs> anyway, uh, on behalf of both of us and the DolphinsTalk.com podcast network, goodbye from Perfectville. Later. Thank you for listening to Believe. 
You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.